That video strike a chord with anybody here? I hope it did. And not where you say, yeah, I know somebody like that. He or she needs to see that video. I hope it's more internal for you and we can take a look at ourselves. And I'm sure that we're all familiar with the parable of the unforgiving servant. But please don't nod off just yet. All right? I'll try to put a different spin on it for you. Maybe point out something that uh, maybe you haven't noticed and help you out with that. And if you fall asleep, you may never know. So let's pay attention this morning, all right? So this parable, as I feel all parables are, they are uh, as relevant today as they were when they were first written and first spoken. And sometimes I think we hear and we read Scripture and we feel that it's, it's outdated. It really doesn't apply to the here and the now. So when we are, in this case, in the video, they place that context of the parable into more of a today setting. It makes it more real, doesn't it? And I think if we look at the Bible in that way and not picture it with uh, just all these like old guys with long beards and robes kicking up dust in some stone hut with a dirt floor, and we put it into today's text and put it and make it applicable, applicable now, it makes it that more, much more relevant for us. And I encourage you when you read the Bible to get rid of that like sepia type setting that maybe you put it in when you start to read and do make it more applicable to, for today. Bring it up to date and it's much more easy to apply those lessons to today and now. So that being said, anybody here have trouble forgiving somebody? No, see, you don't want to raise your hand, Brian, because that's going to make it so much more difficult for you to make new friends here at church, right? That's not a good thing, but you, you do admit it. And sometimes we do that, right? So I'm going to share a story with you, and this is uh, something I read as I was preparing for the sermon. This is actually a true story. There was this guy in Milwaukee, and this guy had a serious, serious grudge problem. He actually kept a running tally of all the people that had wronged him from some point in his life. And it was at least 10 years that he'd been doing this. So one day this guy snaps. He takes an entire can of fluorescent, or entire case of fluorescent spray paint, goes over to a guy's house, and completely covers the entire house in graffiti. Profane graffiti, all with the colorful pictures and everything. And why? Because this now 75-year-old man apparently cost this guy his very important bagging job at the supermarket. True story. And then as if that weren't enough, apparently he ran out of spray paint because he went over to another guy's house same day and took cans of paint stripper and dumped it all over another guy's cars in his driveway. And the reason he did that is because some three years earlier, apparently this guy cut him off on his way to work. Now, I hope nobody here is at that level. Number one, it's destructive and it's not the actions of a stable individual. And number two, I may have just given that individual two new ideas for revenge. But it is hard to forgive, right? Little things, not so much. But something's just hit you the wrong way. And maybe it's the timing of the situation. Maybe it's just the person that you're having that, that issue with. I'll give you a couple of, of tough examples. You meet the love of your life. You get married. And after 10 years of what you believe is just a good, sound, solid relationship, you find out that your spouse has not been faithful to you. So is there really a, a forgiveness that you, that you can give for that type of betrayal? Or you're the youngest child in a large family, and the oldest sibling asks mom and dad for their money because he needs it, he's going to invest, and they help him out. Well, it turns out he blows all this money gambling, and now mom and dad are broke, they have no life savings, and now you and the rest of your siblings have to take care of your parents for the rest of their life. How can you forgive your brother for what he did? Or what about the abused child? 
or the paralyzed victim in an accident due to a drunk driver? Can these people forgive those who caused them so much pain? That's a tough task to ask, isn't it? Do we have to forgive everyone? Well, the Bible says that we do, yet no one does it every time. I mean, right, we don't, do, we're not, we don't do what we're supposed to do every time, no matter what it is. So to forgive people is hard. But what choice do we have? I mean, if we hang on to that anger, eventually, and you know you feel it, it eats you from the inside out. It's self-destructive, we become bitter, we're depressed, we're angry, and anger actually raises our blood pressure, and it's physically not healthy for it. It actually hurts our heart. But it's very, very hard to forgive. Slide one, please. Very hard to forgive because in the Bible, even one of our, our great um, role models here, Peter, he had a problem with it. And he comes to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, and Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And then he kind of prompts Jesus. He offers a, a solution to it. He gives him an answer. Seven times? And Jesus answers him, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And I want you to think about this. Imagine that you're at work and somebody hurts your feelings. And you know what's happened. But the person comes up to you and says, you know, I'm sorry. You say, okay. And they do it again. And they say, oh, I'm really sorry this time. And you forgive them. And they do it again. And they say they're sorry. And then they do it again. And they do it again. And they do it again. And at some point, you're saying, you know what? I don't really think this guy's sorry. And maybe they're not. But Jesus says to forgive them anyway, up to 77 times. Now, here's the important thing. 77 is not a drop-dead number. I don't want you to walk around with a little scratch pad and the little hash marks, right? Now, Stanley, I've forgiven him 55 times, 22 more times, and I get to tell that guy where to get off. That's not the way this is meant to be. 77 is set as an unattainable number. Forgive as many times as it's asked. And now something important we need to take away from this this morning. Jesus said forgive, not forget. And there's an important difference. Jesus has not forgotten who betrayed him, deserted him, ordered his execution. But Jesus doesn't hold any grudges. He wants those people to accept the forgiveness that he offers because Jesus died for all of us, even them. And when the Bible says God does not remember our sins anymore, it's not talking about forgetfulness. I mean, seriously, do we think that God's going to forget something? He's not capable of forgetting. It's using the word remember in the sense of not taking action against something or someone for the wrongs that they've done to you. So then Jesus tells this parable explaining why and how we should forgive. Slide two, please. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in today's salary, that's like 26 years of the average annual salary, around a million dollars that was owed if you bring it up to date. And that was brought to him, the servant was. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had to be sold in order to repay the debt. Now, obviously, the, the king in this parable represents God, and the debt corresponds to our sins. We're totally unable to pay for those sins. And even selling ourselves into slavery would pay just a small fraction of the debt. We cannot work our way out of it. Continuing with the parable, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, let him go. We can't pay our debt back to God, but if we ask for mercy, 
God will give us more than we ask. And you see, the servant really didn't understand God's grace. He asked for mercy, but it seems like he still thought he needed to do something right at the last part of that, um, where he tells him here, he says that he will, he will pay back everything. So he didn't get it. And unfortunately, too many Christians think that way today. We don't really believe we're forgiven unless we have some sort of penance, that we do some sort of act to earn our way back and earn that forgiveness. But fortunately, God forgives us anyway, even if we don't understand how deep and all-consuming his forgiveness really is. And I think this would be a great parable if it stopped right here. If right here it just stopped and the parable was, feel bad about your debt and your sins, beg for forgiveness, get that forgiveness, and just go about your life. End of parable. But Jesus doesn't do that. Second part of the parable is what should make us really look at ourselves just a little bit closer. We need to remember that Peter's question is not whether he is forgiven. His question is asking whether he has to forgive others. And this is the task that we frequently face. Continuing with the parable, slide three, please. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Just like in the video with the guy owing rent. Now, a hundred denarii, it's a lot of money. But it's nothing compared to the 10,000 talents that he was forgiven. But according to this servant, he must have thought every penny counts. So he even resulted to violence in in determination to collect what was owed to him. Christians today, not as extreme, but we do this. We think we have to earn God's respect through our obedience and our good works. And then we look down on other people that aren't working as hard as we are. Parable continues. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Sounds a lot like what he did with with his master, doesn't it? But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. He actually wanted this man's relatives, his family, to cough up the money to get this guy out of jail. Playing this crazy game of hardball, this attempt to collect enough cash to impress the king, his master. Even though his debt was completely forgiven, he's still working to prove his worth. So when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. They went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Important paragraph in this parable. It's more about life in a community, not just between one person and God. It's just a little reminder that Jesus throws in here that our actions affect other people and that we should encourage one another to have mercy just as we have been given that mercy. And now here's where the parable turns into a warning. Slide four, please. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Really? Shocking as I read that and I studied this. God doesn't forgive unless we forgive, right? So I started thinking to myself, when did this enter into the equation? But actually, the Bible is very clear on this. We can go, slide five, please. We can go to Mark, where it's referenced again. In Mark eleven twenty six, clearly states, but if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. 
It's also mentioned again in Matthew in 6.15. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus is not attempting to tell us about our punishment that could happen if we don't forgive. He's just warning us. And it's with this parable that he does that. That we must forgive others, not grudgingly, but from the heart. Real forgiveness. But is Jesus laying an impossible burden on us? Brian already said it's hard to forget over there or forgive people. It's easy to say you're forgiven. We can walk up to anybody and say, I forgive you. Just words. But it's difficult to mean it in your heart. I mean, are we still angry for the injustice that was done to us? Don't we still hurt when we think about those times when somebody hurt us? Don't we still want that person to be punished for what he or she did to us? So what are we to do with that bitterness that we hold inside ourselves? And if this parable were just a little bit longer, maybe it would have gone something like this. And the wicked servant said, oh, my king, you're right. You've been patient with me. I should be just as patient with my fellow servants. Please do not throw me into jail. Have mercy on me again. I will forgive the people who ask me for mercy. And the king said, you are forgiven. And the wicked servant went out, found another woman who owed him only 50 denarii and demanded to be repaid within a week. The other servants found out about this. They went and reported to the king. The king was angry. He called for that wicked servant to come back again and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you a huge debt because you asked me to, and then you go and do this. And the wicked servant said, oh, my king, you're right again. If you forgive me this time, I will surely be merciful from here forward. The wicked servant went out and forgot what he had just promised and attempted to collect from yet another servant. And he was reported to the king again was threatened with punishment again, asked for mercy again, and guess what? Forgiven again. So I ask you, how many times does the king forgive? Seven? No, 77 times. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God is even more merciful than he tells us to be. So in other words, God even forgives our imperfect attempts at forgiveness as long as we look to him for mercy. And here's a good takeaway from this morning. Slide six, please. The better we understand that we are forgiven, the better we can forgive others. If you can take anything away from this morning, please take take, take away this this morning as you leave. You have to understand the depth of God's forgiveness. You have to accept that forgiveness that he gives you. And once you guys can internalize, internalize that and realize how much he forgives, then we can take that step and truly forgiving others. And it doesn't mean thinking, hey, thanks for your patience. I'll still try to repay all that I owe you. If we have that attitude, then we still overestimate our abilities. We're way too confident in what we think we can do. And we, still, we will then still expect people to pay back all that they owe us. But the truth is that when God forgives us, we're forgiven. There's no debt to repay. There's nothing to work off. No penance to perform. No need to prove how sincere we are. It's forgiven. It's gone. And forgiveness does not mean that we pretend like nothing ever happened. It doesn't mean trusting a thief with money or trusting a wife beater not to be abusive again or hiring a child molester to run a daycare center. However, forgiving means that we don't hold grudges. We don't seek vengeance. It means letting go of our need to get even. It means praying for our enemies. It means seeing ourselves in their shoes and knowing God has forgiven all of our sins too. No groveling required. 
God does not want us to sin again, but his mercy is always there no matter how many times we mess up. God wants us to forgive, and he knows it's hard. He wants us to obey him in everything, and he also knows that we won't. And that's why our salvation does not depend on our performance, thank God, but on the righteousness of Christ. And our salvation does not depend on our performance in keeping the law or in having enough faith or forgiving as well as we should. In all these areas, we are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And our salvation depends not on us, but on Christ and our connection with him. He is the one who forgives with sincerity and the frequency that's required. And when we live our lives God-centered, God attributes Christ's perfect obedience, including his perfect forgiveness, to us. God wants us to forgive others because he forgives us. He forgives us far more generously than 77 times. I mean, 77 times, I, I passed that up when I was probably six years old. The point here is that we realize our need for mercy. We need to look for him for that mercy, depend on his mercy. And instead of holding on to these grudges, we need to ask him to help us to forgive others. We live in this crazy world where there's just a ton of sin and a ton of ignorance that we have to deal with. It's all inevitable. We've all hurt others, and we've all been hurt. Now, the band's going to come back up right now, and they're going to play a, a final song for us. So I want you to just take a step back and think about something. I'd like you guys to think about, and it may not be pleasant, and it probably won't, but I want you to think about what's the worst thing that has happened to you in your lifetime? And there's a lot of bad things that have happened to us in our lives. It may not be easy to pick that one, but pick one. And think about that resentment that you carry. Are you holding a grudge still for what has happened to you? A grudge for anything that's happened to you. For our own good, we need to let that resentment go. And Jesus will help us. And that's something worth praying about. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Your only son loved us enough uh, to come to earth and endure the worst pain imaginable so that we could be forgiven. You show us mercy in spite of all our faults. Help us to show your unconditional love and mercy today, even to those who hurt us. And help us to find that compassion that comes from true forgiveness, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and let's stand and let's sing this last song together.